Dear America, your birth was one which came in the wake of great pain and sacrifice. Your conception came out of the necessary response to oppression from an overbearing parent. Your genetic makeup is as diverse as the world you were born into and the military fighting your wars. The blood of the generations of servicemen and women who have surrendered their lives, defending your cause of freedom, is coursing through your veins, fueling your heartbeat. The subtle thumping of boots on the ground in every region of the world. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. Unfortunately, you did not come out unscathed. The banner flown in your honor from coast to coast and state to state, comprised of stars and stripes, serves as a bandage to cover your scars and stretch marks from your throes, both internal and otherwise. That same flag unifies people from every walk of life and ethnic background. It sparks confidence in your allies and fear in your enemies. It stands for valor. It stands for justice. It stands for innocence. And it stands for freedom. The freedom to be. The freedom to believe. And the freedom to live. However, much like a man whose priorities change with time, so have your societies changed. Like a man whose body betrays him in his old age, your body has turned against itself. Your communities have become plagued with dissension and division. However, I am every bit of an optimist, and I believe the stripes that unite us are stronger than the hard lines in the sand that divide us, because those lines will vanish when the tide rolls in. And I feel it coming. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. You see, America, every scar you bear, every scratch, scrape, bump, bruise and abrasion, we bear them too. I see mothers without daughters and sons without fathers and every other combination in between. My knees are bruised, my hands are cracked, my eyes have darkened and my lips are chapped from the relentless screaming at you to wake up. 
I bear them too. And if you took your scars and somehow stitched them together, you'd see that they spell out in God we trust. Today our nation saw evil, the very worst of human nature. And we responded with the best of America. Tonight I ask for your prayers for all those who grieve, for the children whose worlds have been shattered, for all whose sense of safety and security has been threatened. And I pray they will be comforted by a power greater than any of us, spoken through the ages in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Yet another thing you have in common with man, you need a savior. I love you, America, and the opportunity you've afforded me. But wake up. It's time to set aside your foolish pride and false sense of security. It's time to realize it isn't the stripes draped at homes, schools, businesses, and government buildings that will save you. But rather it is by his stripes, the ultimate sacrifice, that you are healed. Do you get that? Not bandaged, not stitched. You are healed. And yet I still have these scars. But not only have I learned to live with my scars, I've learned to love them. They've become a part of me and they serve as a reminder for the sacrifices made on my behalf, both on the cross and on the battlefield. And I need that. I never take a moment for granted and I live every day with a smile because I am blessed. We are blessed. And it is because of that blessing that I can say with confidence that this is indeed the greatest country in the world. Sincerely, we the people. Our national anthem comes from a little-known war, the War of 18 and 12. It was a time in which this democracy, the United States of America, was just in its infant state. There were trouble on the seas and commerce and because of domination of uh, the British on the oceans. Finally, because they were choking the uh, commerce and uh, export-import, the Congress of the United States declared war in 18 and 12, a a battle would ensue. A battle that, that really the, the, the destiny of our nation hung in, the ba- hung in the balance for just a little bit. We were outnumbered. We, 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 were not, we didn't have a sophisticated army at that particular time. And the British soldiers landed on our shores. 5,000 troops, British troops, defeated an army twice its size, 10,000 American troops, marched on our capital, Washington, D.C., It was in flames. The White House was burning. President Madison and his wife, Dolly, barely escaped in time and took the portrait of our first president, uh, uh, President George Washington, away before the uh, capital was taken. And the next move by the British soldiers was to attack the third largest city in America at that particular time, which was Baltimore. And they thought if Baltimore would fail, they've already attacked the, the capital. If Baltimore would fall so would go the nation. They planned a twofold attack. 
It would be both by land and sea. British soldiers were moving by land. They were going to surround it and by sea. And if it fell, no doubt the country would fall. There were British ships that were prowling up the Chesapeake Bay. They came and were getting closer to Baltimore, but there was just one thing that stood in their way, and it seemed like an incidental battle to be fought, and once it would fall, then Baltimore would be theirs, and that was Fort McHenry. It came to a decisive battle at Fort McHenry. The cannons at Fort McHenry uh, from the United States weren't were not large enough to shoot projectiles to the British ships. So the British ships stood out of range and just rained down in a 25-hour bombardment, 13-inch shells that would explode over the fort, raining down fiery shrapnel upon the shoulders, uh, upon the uh, 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 soldiers. And there were the fiery streaming rockets, a, a new technology that had just come out. And they were just raining down in this bombardment. And they thought, surely Fort McHenry would fall 25 hour bombardment the british ships moved closer and then all of a sudden the american cannons began to fire and the ships pulled back some of them that were sank and after 25 hours finally what would be the destiny of this nation a lawyer by the name of francis scott key he was he was a prisoner on one ship the british ships and he was wondering did fort mchenry survive if it falls Baltimore falls, and no doubt the nation. And in the morning, as the mist clear, he looked, and Francis Scott Key saw the American flag. We endearingly call that flag the Star Spangled Banner. And it survived the night. Three months later, three months later, a peace treaty was signed, and the war ended. When he saw that morning Francis Scott Key when he saw the star-spangled banner, the American flag still waving, still standing strong at Fort McHenry, he penned the words to our national anthem. Allow me just to rehearse the words of it, and I want you to notice that it's a question. Our national anthem is a question. It says, Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail at twilight's last gleaming? Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, oh, ramparts we watch, were so gallantly streaming? And the rockets red glare and the bombs bursting in air gave proof in the night that her flag was still there. Oh, oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? Our national anthem is a question. And I want to pose to us a thought the question it asked in the first stanza is actually answered in the last stanza. For you see, what we call the song, the Star-Spangled Banner, the national anthem, actually has four stanzas, the first being our national anthem. But the question that's asked in the first is answered in the fourth stanza of the national uh, anthem, excuse me, of, of the song, the Star-Spangled Banner. It says, oh, Thus be it ever, when free men shall stand between their homes in war's desolation, blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave over the land of the free and the home 
of the brave. You see, the reason it stood, because he recognized that this was a heaven-rescued land. I want to talk today about God bless America, and I want to remind us, I want to remind us we are a nation under God, that we need to declare and we need to pray and we need to seek God's blessings for America. We need to proudly declare that. The Star Spangled Banner, that flag is in the Smithsonian Institute. If you're ever there, please go by the American Museum there and see the Star Spangled Banner. The Star Spangled Banner, oh, it's weather-beaten. It bears the scars and the wear and tear of time. There are 37 patches on that flag. One of the stars is missing. Uh, Eight feet of the flag has been torn away. You say, was it the battle? Was it the shrapnel that was falling at the battle at Fort McHenry? Was was it the, the battles that ensued? Was it the conflict of time that has caused this great flag to be weather beaten and torn and, and, and worn? No. You see the, the holes in the star-spangled banner, that flag, are from insects that were eating away at it when it was in storage. The eight feet of the flag missing, not, not, not from battle. It was people taking a knife or scissors and cutting away a souvenir to take away. And finally they rescued the flag and took it to the, to the Smithsonian Institute to protect it. I can literally tell you, it was not, it was not the enemies without that was destroying the flag. It was the neglect from within. It wasn't the battle that was tearing and wearing the flag. It was the neglect. I wonder if that is perhaps a a symbol of our nation today. Not the enemies without, but the neglect and, and the lack of resolve from within. Could it be within America that America is decaying and not from the enemies without? And I'm here to say and announce again, God bless America. God bless America. May we be the nation that God intended us to be and say that we are one nation under God. With that in mind, I invite you to go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter number 33. I want to read a few verses, and I think it challenges us today. Here in Psalm 33, verse number 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Don't give up there. Keep reading that same verse. The people he chose for an inheritance. God will bless the nation if the people, if the people in the nation will embrace God's truth and will live by God's standards. So we sometimes glibly say, God bless America. And we just proclaim that as a general statement. God's blessing upon the nation is dependent upon we the people, we the people to live in accordance with his word. Verse number 13, and the heavens look down. From the heavens the Lord looks down and sees all mankind from the dwelling place. He watches all those who live on the earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they, get this next word, everything they do. I can literally say that God's blessings upon a nation come from the people. And it comes from the people by what they do. It's not just having a a warm feeling in your heart. God looks at our behavior. God looks at our values. And God says, by how we live, we'll determine how the nation goes. And I'm here to say, oh, God bless America today. There are two thoughts I want to drop in her heart. And then we're going to end this service. And I'm going to ask you to sing as a prayer and as a commitment that song, God bless America. But before we do, two thoughts I want to give with you, share with you. And they are I will statements. The first one is, I will stand. 
I want to call every believer, every faith believer to this. I will stand. I will stand. It's not the enemies without. It's the neglect within. Now, I'm speaking to the community of faith. I'm speaking to Christians. I'm speaking to Christ followers today. And I want to call us to be the nation and the people that God wants us to be. And that we would do what God expects us to do so that we would be the people and His blessings would be upon the nation. Say, I will stand. I will make that stand. I will stand up. I won't sit idle. I won't be idle. Every veteran, everyone that has served in the military force knows that when the colors are posted, what do you do? You stand. Oh, I love the song by Lee Greenwood when he uh, sings God Bless the USA. And there is that stanza in the song. And he says, I will stand up next to her and defend her still today. I love that statement. I will stand up. I will defend her. I will sit by. I won't sit idly by. I will be a part and I'm here to invite us. Will you stand up for godly values? People of faith, let's stand up for godly values. We are living in a pick and choose day in which believers, I'm talking about believers who say they're Christ followers, believers who say they're Christians, pick and choose what they want to believe. Yes, we're in a day in which the Christian church in America has a Christian view of the soul, but an atheist view of the Bible. Yeah, what do you mean? Christians believe that every human being, God has given them soul. Every human being, every person, God has invested soul. There's potential in there. There, there, there. There's spiritual potential. God lives. God wants to do. God has, God has put his imprint upon them. They have value. They embrace the Christian view of the soul. But when it comes to the Bible, they have an atheist view. Well, the Bible teaches this. I know the Bible teaches that, but I don't believe it that way. I don't believe the Bible is for all of us all the time in every situation. We have Christians today uh, uh, that have an atheist view of the Bible. They don't believe this Bible is authoritative and dictates our lifestyle. Christian believers today who believe wrongly that happy hour is God's way of providing them to get drunk at a discount. What? Yeah, yes. That believe that cohabitation is all right. Well, the Bible says that marriage is, is, is holy. Yes, but you know we're in the 21st century today, and everybody does it. But the Bible said, well, I don't believe it's that way today. An atheist view of the Bible. Whose position on, on gender identity and the sanctity of marriage is determined by friendships and not the Bible. Oh, I have a friend, and I like them, and I believe God accepts them. Well, the Bible says it doesn't matter what the Bible says, my friend, and I just believe. We do it by friendship and not what the Bible says. God is calling us back to His Word to be Christian by the principles of God's Word, to say, I will stand solidly I will abide by what God says, by what God teaches, and I won't just go by the way of everyone else around. It was, it was George Washington that said, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. Amen. Can I call us today? Will you stand up for what the Bible teaches? 
Will you stand up for values in the workplace? Will you stand up for value when it comes to your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law? Will you just affirm God's way and God's word is right? Church people today, uh, Christian people today, that they have a gym membership, membership in discount clubs. They have membership at Costco but don't believe in church membership. Isn't that interesting? They're a member of everything but a church. Wow! What is the day we live in? I think God is calling us to stand up and to be true to what He teaches us and what we should be. And one way we can stand up for godly values is to vote. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I wish I could. I wish I could tell you. This is what God wants you to do. I, I will tell you, I struggle with that too. I, I don't have all the wisdom to tell you how that you ought to vote. Here's what I say. Take the values of this book into the voting booth. But vote. But vote. Don't, don't get upset by results that you didn't get from a vote you didn't cast. And sometimes we as Christian people, we can sit back and complain about the way things are, but you ask Christian people, was the last time they voted? It was last decade. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying which party. Can I tell you? It's not going to be the Democratic donkey or the Republican uh, elephant. We need the lion of the tribe of Judah to step in America and follow what God says. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I mean, they're, they're trying to fix health care. They can't even fix potholes. I mean, we need God. We need God today. We need God to step in. And we need to just be people that are going to stand up for value. Stand up. And guess what? You'll stand out. And God needs some people that will just stand out today not only do we need to stand up secondly i want you to say i will withstand i will withstand there are headwinds of culture right now that will tell you to vacate your values that will tell you to be silent that you can't speak up for god in the public school system in your corporate culture that will tell you in the midst of the, if you have Christian values, your business will not succeed. If you don't go along and just laugh at the jokes and, and, and tell the off-color stories like everyone else, you, your business won't su- succeed or you won't get the promotion. I'm going to ask you to withstand and not accept that. I'm going to ask us as believers to stand up for God boldly in every area, even if we have to withstand some pressure. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders recently made this remark, and it was a hearing in which they were looking at a nomination for a position uh, in the federal government. He was was interviewing the candidate, and he asked the candidate's view in in a certain area about religion. And the candidate said, I am a I am a Christian believer. And I believe salvation comes from the blood of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. Bernie Sanders made this comment. He said, that is not a view that is indicative of America and that's not the kind of country I want. 
Can I tell you, Bernie Sanders, that's the kind of country we need. That's the kind of country. We, we are confounded. There is murder is breaking out in our nation today. There is confusion. There is racism. There's all kinds of things going wrong. And let me tell you, Bernie Sanders, all the king's men can't put Humpty together again. Brokenness in our society. We need God. We need a nation and people that will embrace Christian values. Withstand the pressure. Withstand the pressure just to go along. Withstand the pressure to acquiesce to that. Men, we can be, we can be change makers. We, 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 we can make a difference. We can make a difference in the family. We can make a difference in the home. We can make a difference in the workplace. If, if God has put you in a position of influence in the, your corporation, your business, hold to God's value. Withstand the pressure just to go along. Withstand the pressure just to be a part of it. Guys, can I just summon us? When the conversation at work gets foul and ugly and nasty, and guys are undressing women in their conversations behind the scene, rebuke that and walk away from it. Withstand the pressure just to go on. Be different. When you hear conversations on the television and your kids are watching and comics, they're using foul language, walk over there and hit that red button and say, not in my house. We're not going to do that. Let it be the voice of dads. Dad, pray over the meals. Let your voice be heard praying over the meals. Not just at Thanksgiving or at home when no one can hear you. When you go out to lunch in just a moment. When you go out to lunch in a moment, pray. You don't have to pray so the whole restaurant will hear you, okay? You don't, you, you don't have to boom it out, but just hold the hands of your family and pray over the meal. Announce, let it be your voice. Stand up for values and withstand the pressure to take the back seat in society. Guys, we can make a difference, and I invite us to do so. Young adults, young adults, when you're in school, when you're in college, I, I, I am a champion. Go for your degree. And then when you get your degree, go for your postgraduate degree. Go all the way. Be a person of influence. It wouldn't be great if, if people in the body of Christ were, were governors and city council persons and mayors and people of influence and CEOs, etc. We want you there. But education is to tell you, is to tell you what to think, not how to think. Don't let, don't let education tell you how to think. And when you hear the explanation and they tell you the only scientific evidence that we have for this world existing is evolution. Push back. Withstand that. that. That's what they're telling you in the classroom. That's what they're telling you in the classroom. But the, but, but the Bible tells me something different. And this is not a fable. This is not a fairy tale. Every time they say, well, it happens this way and it happens and there was water and then there were sea creatures and then there were reptiles and then there was plants and then there were animals on and finally there was man. We have documented this is the evolutionary cycle. Here's what I tell them. Absolutely. That's exactly the order of creation in the book of Genesis. There was water. And guess what? The Bible says God created sea creatures. And then the Bible says he created everything that creepeth upon the land. And then God put vegetation. And God put animals. And the last thing he put was mankind. That evolution is the acts, the exact actual process of creation. You think it, handed, you, it came about by a gorilla. But I will tell you it came about by God. The difference is there. Push back on that. Don't accept that to be just factual and the Bible to be as a fairy tale. Stand up 
and withstand the pressure just to go along. Ronald Reagan, former president, said, if we ever forget that we're one nation under God, he said, then we'll be a nation that's gone under. Oh, may we, may we hold to that value. Stand up and withstand. Be the people. Be the people that God says, now I can bless America because I have people that have not bowed their knees to Baal. I have a people that have not bowed their knee to the idols of the world. I have a people that will honor me. I have a people that will stand true to me. It was Benjamin Franklin, one of our forefathers, said, If a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aids? Rhetorical question. No. Without God. Without God. I want to invite us to be not sometimes Christians. Sometimes I pray. Sometimes I speak my values. Sometimes I do what is right. Sometimes I make the right decisions. I'm going to invite you to not be a sometime Christian, but to be an every time Christian. To stand up, withstand, and speak up. Every time you get a chance, announce your values. Every time you get a chance, vote. Every time you get a chance to make a difference, every time you have a chance to do the right thing, even if there's a headwind pushing back a culture and you have a circle of friends that don't agree with you, stand with God. Stand with God. Make a difference. Be different in that setting. We need believers that will withstand that peer pressure and say, we're going to serve the Lord. And every time, Christian. Parents, can I just admonish us? Can I admonish us, parents, for a moment? We, we talk about and we're worried and we pray for the school district and you're worried and concerned about your kids and where the school district is going. I understand that. If you're concerned, then join PTA. Can I tell you, educators, I have educators in this church. They need and they want parents involved. Join PTA. Let it be your voice. Get engaged. Get in the game. Don't stand on the sideline. Let's make a difference. Let's be the difference. Be an every-time Christian. An every-time Christian. Pray for your teachers, of the, the teachers of your kids. Pray for them. When you get the school schedule in about a month or so, begin to pray over that teacher. <laughs> begin to pray over that school. Bless them. Pray over America. Christians, it's not our job to go on social media and rage about everything. We need to walk in the Spirit on social media as well as in our daily life. Are you with me? And whomever's elected, my job is not to criticize them. My job is to pray for them. I'm going to pray for our mayor. I'm going to pray for our governor. I'm going to pray for our president. I'm going to pray for Congress. I'm going to pray for the senators. It doesn't matter to me what side of the aisle they're on. They're a leader. My job as a Christian believer is to pray for them that God will guide them and God will protect us as a nation. How will God, how will God bless America? God will bless America through God-honoring Americans. God-honoring Americans will bring God's blessings upon America. So I'm going to invite you to stand together with me.
And we're going cl- to close this moment in singing that song, God Bless America. But I'm going to invite you to not just sing it. I'm going to invite you to pray it. I'm going to invite us to make it a commitment. Lord, I know what it means. If, if God's going to bless America, then I need to be a person that stands up and withstands. And if that's what it takes, God, I will do it. I will do it. It's my commitment when I see that, when I speak these words, to say, God, I'm in the game and I'm not on the side. I won't be indifferent and I won't be intimidated. I will be the difference in my workplace. I'll be the difference in my school. I'll be the difference in our family. I'll be the, the light and the salt that I need to be in my area of influence. I'm going to invite you to do that. Now, fellas, it's easy for us to sit and let the ladies sing. Guys, we have a tendency to sit back and let them sing, and we just kind of shake our head. I'm going to invite you to sing, because I want it to be your prayer. I want it to be your prayer. God, use me to bless America. Let's sing it together. going to invite you to join me right now. We're going to pray for America. We're going to pray for our mayor. We're going to pray for our governor. We're going to pray for our president and our vice president. We're going to pray for the senators. We're going to pray for the congressmen. We're going to pray for America. 
And it's all right to pray in the Spirit. We're a Spirit-filled church. If you want to intercede in tongues and the Spirit, you're welcome to do that. Would you lift your voice together with me? Let's fill God's house with intercession for America right now. Father, as Americans, we are so thankful. Once again, we petition your throne. Let us be the heaven-rescued land. We will praise the power that has established, that has protected this land. Once again, God, we ask you, as your, your word declares, your word says if your people would humble themselves and pray, you would hear that prayer and you would heal their land. America needs healing in the land. There is racial strife in America. There's a spirit of murder. People are getting guns and just, just indiscriminately shooting. God, something is broken in America and we need the hand of God. We need the intervention of God once again. We need a revival in America. And I pray, God, I pray that righteousness will return to America and you'll turn our hearts back to you. I pray for our, our new mayor. Guide him and guide city council. Guide our governor. Lord, surround him with godly influence and give him godly wisdom and counsel as he makes decisions for our great state, for Capitol Hill, for our president and vice president, Congress and senators. Lord, you just need to step in. There's so much gridlock. There, there's so much divisiveness and hatred. God, heal that. Breathe upon Washington, D.C. Breathe upon that. God, touch hearts. Lord, in the name of Jesus, turn our hearts through our leaders back to you. Oh, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, our hearts ache. Our hearts ache for what we see in Washington, D.C. right now. Oh, God, intervene. Oh, God, call us back to you. We as people of faith intercede and pray for these leaders. Pray for the direction of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, God, redeem us back to you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, turn our values back to you. In the name of Jesus in our school districts, God, let godly leaders rise up and become the vice principals, the principals, the administration that godly values would be Establish, oh Lord, oh Lord, do it. I pray for men today. I pray for families today. I pray for homes today that we will be salt and light every time we can, that we will be every time Christians. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. And I know your heart says, and my prayer is, God bless America. Thank you. God bless you. You're dismissed.